All right. Welcome to the in-depth study. Um, if we can get a little bit quiet back there, that would be awesome. But before we start, I just want to say Shabbat Shalom and welcome. Uh, Ralphie's not here today. As you can tell, I'm not Ralphie. And I don't do very good Ralphie impersonation. So we'll do the best we can in spite of that. But uh, let's begin with prayer, all right? Heavenly Father, Yahuwah, blessed are you, my King. The Elohim of creation, the Elohim of Abraham, Yisak and Yaakov. Father, I ask that you bless this time that we have to study your word. Help us to be able to mine through the things that you put upon my heart to share. And I ask that you bless everyone here at this time. And I give thanks to you, Abba, for having an opportunity to be able to gather freely and discuss your word. And I give thanks in Yehoshua's name. Amen. Amen. So, let me just say, whenever we come up here to share, we're sharing what we've studied. We're sharing what we've gone through in terms of the Word. And it really is incumbent upon each individual to study the Word, mind the Scriptures, and to be able to dig into the word that is really annoying in the back of me guys um, and to be able to test these things out we're all learning so so what was placed upon my heart is respecting boundaries and I asked the question is this a part of love boundaries So let's see. Psalm 74, 17 says, You have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. He drew a limit, Job 26, 10, on the surface of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. Proverbs 23, 10 do not move the ancient boundary. Boundary. What are they? Let's take a look at what boundaries might look like. Ah, razor wires. So I'm going to start off with the scripture, um, and Miss Pat is going to read for us. If she can get a mic, that would be awesome. And she's going to be reading from Second Samuel. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing 
well, save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take his own flock of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, Why, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord of Israel, I appointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house, and the master's wives, and thy bosom, and gave thee house of Israel and of Judah. And if it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Do you make continue? Continue, please. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Pause for a second. It says, what did you just read? That he had what? You've despised the commandment of the Lord. Thank you. Okay, keep that in mind and keep going. To do evil in this sight, thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and has taken his wife to be thy wife, and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Okay. Pause again. So it despised the commandment of yod heh and now he says, you have despised me. Okay, continue please. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto the neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do thus thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Mm. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put thy away thine sin. Okay, pause. Thou shalt not die. And he said he's put away his sin. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, we might dive into that next week, but that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. Thank you, Miss Pat. Appreciate you. Boundary. What is what is this thing with love and boundary? A boundary is properly a cord twisted. And the image that's in front of you is that of a twisted barbed wire. The border. It's space that we're not supposed to cross. 
it was last week that Mark was talking about uh, the rebellion, I believe it was, and that there were boundaries that were established not by man, but by the Father. And that some people rose up and felt like, wait a minute, we don't need to respect these boundaries, these limits. We can cross them. Why not? Still, the question is, what does it have to do with love? Boundary. And what is love? Let's take a look at Second Samuel. And if we can get the mic to Valerie. And I believe that's uh, 13, 1 through 15. And after this, it came to be that Abshalom, son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And Amon, Amnon, son of David, loved her. And Amnon was distressed, even to become sick because of his sister Tamar. For she was a maiden, and it was hard in the eyes of Amnon to do whatever to her. And Amnon had a friend whose name was Yonadab, Yonadab son of Shimha, David's brother. Now Yonadab was a wise man, and he said to him, why are you the sovereign son become, becoming thinner day after day? Explain it to me. And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Yonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister come and give me food and make a food for my eyes so that I see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the sovereign came to see him, Amnon said to the sovereign, please let Tamar, my sister, come to make a couple of cakes for me before my eyes so that I may eat them from her hand. And David said Tamar to the house saying, please go to the house of your brother Amnon and make food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house while he was lying down, and she took dough and kneaded it and made cakes before his eyes and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and turned, out, turned them out before him, but he refused to eat, and Amnon said, Make everyone go away from me. And they all went out from him, and Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom that I eat from your hand. And Tamar, uh, Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. And she brought them to him to eat, and he took a hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, do not humble me, for it is not done so in Israel. Do not do this wickedness. And I... Where can I take my shame? And you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. And now please speak to the sovereign, for he would not withhold me from you. 
but he would not listen to her voice. And being stronger than she, she uh, he humbled her and lay with her. Amnon then hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred which he hated her was greater than the love with, with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, go. Thank you. We have two cases here. And this second one have to do with um, Amnon, who said that he loved Tamar. How many people here love Italian food? A lot of people. How about pizza? That's Italian, right? Cupcakes. How many people love cupcakes and donuts? We got two hands up there from one person. Now, let me ask you a question. Does Italian food love you? Does pizza love you? It can't, can it? It's not made in the image of the one who created life. Concept of love comes from God. Do not believe every spirit, but prove the spirits, whether they are of Elohim, because many false prophets, now we may think, what does this have to do with getting back to boundary? Many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the spirit of Elohim, every spirit that confesses that Yeshua, Yehoshua, Messiah has come in the flesh is of Elohim. And every spirit that does not confess has come in the flesh. Yehoshua, Messiah, is not of Elohim. And this is the spirit of the anti-Messiah which you heard is coming and now is already in the world. You are of Elohim, little children. You have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of Elohim. The one knowing Elohim hears us. He who is not of Elohim does not hear us, and by this we know that the spirit of truth, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of the delusion. Beloved one, let us love one another because love is of Elohim, and everyone who loves has been born of Elohim and knows Elohim. Now we're connecting. Let us love one another. Love, what is it? The one who does not love does not know Elohim, for Elohim is love. Doesn't say has love, says is. By this, the love of Elohim was manifested in us, that Elohim has sent his only brought forth son into the world in order that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved Elohim, but that he loved us and sent his son to be an atoning offering for our sin. Beloved one, 
If Elohim so loved us, we ought to love one another. And it goes on. And in verse 16, it says again, Elohim is love. Verse 8. Now we have these definitions of love that are given from Scripture. And the idea of pizza loving me back or Italian food loving me back is kind of crazy. It's not really. So I can say that I love a certain thing, but that thing that I might love is not the same that the Scriptures are referring to because that thing that I might love is basically talking about mm, how that food makes me feel. It goes back to this whole thing. If you look at the son of David, and when he first said that he was in love with Tamar, Amnon, love was what he used. That was the expression that he said, love. But his action, respecting the boundaries that had been set, set by his Elohim were not there. He didn't respect Tamar's boundaries. He violated her, and she pleaded. And then, right afterward, he hated her more than he had loved her. Kind of a twisted sense of love, right? I know I'm not asking questions, but, you know, we can this around a little bit. The world loves what is own, its own. And in a sense, it loves it in a twisted way. Because the world isn't love. And the anti-Messiah isn't love. The Elohim of creation, Yodhevahe, Yahweh, Yahuwah, is love. We love him because he first loved us. The one loving Elohim should love his brother too. Everyone who believes that Yehoshua is the Messiah has been born of Elohim. And everyone who loves the one bringing forth also loves the one having been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of Elohim when we love Elohim and guard his command for the love of Elohim, for this is the love of Elohim, that we guard his commands and his commands are not heavy. Boundary. His commandments are boundary. Let's go back to David. David repented. Can anybody take a look at Psalm 51 for me and read all of Psalm 51? And if you find it, raise your hand and the mic will find its way to you. This is um, a favorite scripture of mine. Um, because one of the things is belief in action is connected to love. A lot of people will, Mike, how about the mic going to Mike? 
anyone has the mic, please get it to Mike. Give me a second, Mike. Uh, belief in action. Love is connected to guarding his commands, and guarding his connect, commands is connected to being set apart. Being set apart means you have a relationship with him, and you respect his boundaries. David was a man in the flesh like us. This is his part in Psalm 51. Go ahead, Mike. The whole psalm? Have mercy on me, O Elohim, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O Elohim, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, guiltiness, O Elohim, O El of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Yahuwah, Open my lips, for my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. And you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of Elohim are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O Elohim, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thank you, Mike. David confessed his iniquity, his transgression. To transgress means that you have crossed over a boundary of some place that was off limits. We can get into the habit of making the prayer that Mark often says, you know, forgive me for my sins, transgressions, and iniquities to the point where it becomes a formula. And a formula is not really done from the heart. It just is words that we are repeating because we got to the habit. But if we stop and meditate upon the boundaries that we have crossed, and yet we say we love Elohim, we love the one that he sent, we love his brother, you know, our brothers, those boundaries, the Torah was given so that we can have a relationship with him. He desired to have that relationship with us. And he wants us to have a relationship with him. So he establishes boundaries so that we would not inappropriately approach him. Like the sons of Aharon did. They approached him inappropriately and boom, there's that. 
Carry them out. Get them out of here. Guard the camp. Guard the commandment. What the love of Elohim means is that we give it weight. We take it seriously. We have a comment over here. So the Torah and love is intertwined with each other. And love is a very common occurrence in the Bible as well. And this is, this comes to, mm, let me think of my words. This comes to show that the Bible isn't just a set of instructions, but it's how to love as well. It's a love story and instructions at the same time. Thank you very much for that. Indeed it is. If the purpose is to have a relationship with us so that we can approach him and he can actually dwell among his people, teach us how to love our neighbor as ourselves. That way we are walking in his character in his image. I personally believe that the Torah is what sets us apart. I believe that the Torah is what is breathed in. The scripture says all scripture is spirit breathed. So when we want the Ruach, we want the set apart spirit, we want the Holy Spirit, but we ignore the scripture, we ignore the word, then are we nourishing ourselves with the word? You can be in a set apart Mishpachah, Certainly, Amnon was part of a set-apart family. His father was king. He was anointed. He was set apart. You can have many people in the kahal or in the group. You belong to Israel. You belong to the Mishpachah. You belong to living Messiah. But understand, it's personal. It was personal from the beginning. He spoke. Life came to be. But he personally breathe into man the breath of life that's personal it's personal and the attack by the enemy is also personal so how are we going to walk this out how do we do this turn to ezekiel please 36 i'll try not to cry 36 25 All of Ezekiel's, well, all of Scripture is really good. And if you're reading Ezekiel 36 and 37, it gets pretty weighty. And you get to see more of the character of yod heh Yahweh, Yahweh. Verse 25 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from your, all your idols I will cleanse you. I'm not sure if I can scroll down without having to. Um, and a new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't that in David's prayer, Psalm 51.10, where he asked for a new heart and a renewed spirit? And a new heart also I will give you, 
and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Anybody have that scripture? Can you read verse 27? If you have the mic. Or maybe we can give you a mic. Please. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And he will do what? He will put his spirit in us to cause us to do his Torah so that we can walk it out. So is a heart of flesh, a new heart, connected with a new spirit, connected with walking out his Torah? I would say, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I would say, yeah. So I'm going to share an, uh, from an article, a Time Magazine article by a, a rabbi, David Walt, and it was written in February 2016. And um, he's a senior rabbi of Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. He's an author of eight books, blah, 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 considered one of the most influential uh, Jews in the world by the Jerusalem Post. And in his article, he said, it's time to change the meaning of the word love. I'm going to say, no, it's not time to change it. It's time to recognize what the biblical meaning is. Because I don't think we can change the world's perspective any more than we can change Amnon's perspective of what he thought he felt for Tamar. After years of speaking, he says most of the world, the word is mostly used according to the first definition given in the dictionary, an intense feeling of deep affection. In other words, love, according to dictionary, is what one feels. After years speaking with couples, before and during after marriage, and talking to parents and children struggling with their relationship, I am convinced of the partiality of the definition. Love should be seen not as a feeling, but as an enacted emotion. To love is to feel and act lovingly. Too many women have told me, bruises visible on their face, that their husbands who struck them love them. Since they see love as a feeling, the word hides the truth, which is that you do not love someone whom you repeatedly beat and abuse. You may have strong feelings about them. You may even believe you cannot live without them, but you do not love them. Beat and abuse. The word profane in Hebrew and the word blasphemy carries the connotation of piercing, boring a hole through. From my personal experience, the greatest time, we have a comment, sorry. This is why the Most High says he hates the oppressor. 
Yeah. The oppressor is just this that you're talking about, the, the piercing. From my personal experience, um, the greatest time that I had an opportunity to demonstrate love for Wanda was when she needed it the most. Scripture says there is more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. If you're feeling depressed or you want something, practice giving, I would say. And why did Wanda need me the most then? The love that when Yeshua said, if you love me, you will die to yourself or deny yourself, means that you're going to empty your flesh. There's so many scriptures to talk about denying yourself all through the Brit Hadashah. And actually, if you look back through the Torah and you look, you can see it. When Abram was called to leave the comfort of his home and family, he was leaving the things that he was familiar with to go someplace unknown. And he was doing that based on trust. So he was denying himself. Yeshua said, if you do this, follow me. Or by obeying my commandments, shows that you love me. And since Yeshua is the word, and the word is of Elohim, and Elohim is love, and his Torah is love, then there were a lot of times that the schedule of waking up every two hours to give Wanda pain medicine wasn't comfortable because the next day I had to get up and go to work. And it was in the midst of one of those times that she said, I don't think I could do this if she was on the other foot. You're so patient. And the words that first came out of my mouth is, I'm not patient. And then I thought, wait a minute, when did I become patient to this extent? Because it didn't bother me to serve her in that way. And it was in that moment, contemplating the gravity of what was going on, that I realized that Abba had put his spirit in me to perform the task that I needed to perform because that was his love for her through me. And it was like, whoa, the serving part was easy. I went to work with more energy than I go to work now. I'm tired when I get up and go to work, but I'm not waking up every couple hours. What the heck is that? And I realized that the Father showed up in the midst of our trial to demonstrate his love, whether the results that we expected in the end were manifested or not. It's not always about the outcome. The story that we just read in Second Samuel wasn't about David or Bathsheba or Amnon. I believe the story is about him, his love for us, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and what he can do in spite of what we may 
fulfilled. So the greatest thing that we can do is give up a little bit of us, or all of us, if we can, become an empty vessel, and allow him to fill us with his spirit, his ruach, so that we can experience his love from his word, obey his Torah, no matter how the world might pressure us, be squeeze us into the mold or fashion us in the image of the world, be in the image of the one who called us and set us apart by means of his Torah. This brings to mind the concept of reaping what you sow. So if you want good things to happen to you, you got to give that to other people unless you want to have a lot of crap happen to you in your life, then just <laughs> just go ahead. <laughs> you have a comment here also. Thank you, Marianne. So what you were talking about with your experience um, with Wanda and, and her last times and thinking about how you learned to love your wife the way that the father intended you to love your wife. And as you're talking, it made me think of back in the garden of Adam and Eve and how it's like, okay, so we were created by the Father's image. That's what we were meant to look like. That's how we were meant to act like. And then the enemy came in and deceived us, deceived Eve, and convinced us, like the world would, like you mentioned, how the world convinces us to, you know, to be selfish. The enemy came in and convinced us to be selfish so that we would then not do what the father how the father designed us to be and it took that from us their inheritance of love that the father intended to create us with so i don't know if i have a point <laughs> you don't but have to it just um i don't know it just makes me think of back in the garden before the fall of what love might have looked like between Adam and Eve before that well, happened. I, I can say you can look through scripture and see what love looks like in terms of looking at it from the point of view of the father's point of view. And just to be clear, yes, I always loved Wanda, but the love grew deeper to the point where it wasn't just the love because I loved the way she looked, the way she sounds, or you know, the sound of her voice, or she makes me laugh. All those things were true, but they all had to do because most of the time we say I and we have follow the word love. It has to do with self. But here's an opportunity where there was nothing she could really give me in return. And the love that was demonstrated because now I get to show love in action. And it's like the father's love in the sense that if you look at Israel, I'm a little bit over time. I'm, I'll be brief. You look at Israel and how many times they basically had transgressed the Torah, the covenant, and he would come back with the, the, the scripture that we read in Ezekiel about picking up and cleaning off and restoring and putting in a heart and 
putting in the spirit and causing them to walk according to his way. That's how much he wants that relationship. So for me, it was like, okay, this is, I know what I'm capable of, or at least what I thought I was capable of in terms of serving and loving. But then he put something extra in me and it's like, okay, you think you know what love is? Boom, here you go. It's like, whoa. And it wasn't until later on that you realize, okay, I don't think I've ever felt that before. And that was from him. So we both got a chance to experience what his love was in action. Because you're serving. And I would say anybody who stands up and says they're going to serve and turn them to Mishpachah at different levels, they're going to have to empty themselves because you ask most people, they're going to say they didn't want to do this. They didn't want to be here. They don't want to do this. And then they do. And then they walk away and it's like, I'm blown away that he used me to do whatever he used me to do. And so the burden is made light. So when Yeshua says, my burden is light, the sons of Kohath had a burden. The scripture actually uses that word, put upon their shoulders. Moshe had a burden. But does he make it lighter? I think so. Any other comments or questions before I close the prayer? Go right ahead. Yeah, appearances don't always don't always show the personality. And that's why you can't just love someone for their physical attributes, but for their internal attributes, their personality and intentions. You have to use your better judgment to figure out what the person is in character. Thank you, because the word Shem, the name, character, has to do with, I personally believe one of the reasons that he doesn't want us to make an image or an idol, number one, is because we were the image. So we would be defiling what he made as an image by trying to create a subpar image that would be an idol. And the other part is that, one, he reveals his character all through scripture without us seeing what he looks like. So the essence of the character, so if our viewpoint is like his, when we meet someone, again, Amnon saw how beautiful Tamar was, and he lusted after her. Scripture uses the word love, but then he hated her. I'm sorry, go right ahead over here, please. Going back to Ezekiel 36, I love the passage that you shared starting in 25 where it talks about um, sprinkling clean water, cleansing our heart, putting a new spirit within us, removing our heart of stone, putting our spirit within us, being careful to follow the laws and decrees. And the very next verse is, you will live in a land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people mm -hmm. and I will be your Elohim. A kind of like the boundaries describing who his people will be and where they will be at. I also like enjoyed what you shared about love because I've been thinking about this, seeing um, articles or passages written by artificial intelligence. They can be wonderful poetry, wonderful love messages, but what's absent is Artificial intelligence cannot experience what a human soul can experience concerning an emotional attachment to those words. 
because we could be programmed just to follow a protocol of love or what love looks like. But only a human being can actually experience with that emotional attachment to what those words mean. And I think that when you talked about David and the Psalms that you read, Psalms 51, I always grieve because knowing that I have a free freedom in my relationship with my husband. We can love each other without guilt, without any weightiness upon us, but I always felt like David had, he didn't have that relationship with Bathsheba because there was always a heavy guilt in how he obtained his wife that I think always rested upon him. Yeah, and the one thing that I will state, and I'm sure you all know, that the consequences of that sin was not removed. That child with was not going to live, and the consequences even in the next chapter with his son and Tamar, and the consequences, so on and so on. So while he said, this sin will pass over you, there's a connection there to the sins of the father being upon and so on and so on and how they can actually pass over. And maybe next time we can talk about that. Uh, thanks everyone here for allowing me to share some of what I've been studying. Thank you for participating and listening. And uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Yahuwah, blessed are you, O Abba. Thank you. I pray that your spirit will blow upon this fellowship and those who are earnestly seeking you. Your words say that your people, when they cry out, you will hear. You will hear because you are love and you will not ignore the cries of a downtrodden, a contrite heart, a broken spirit. So, Father, I pray that you continue to bless this service today and that you bless this fellowship. And I thank you for this opportunity to share in Yahushua's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Shabbat Shalom.